Greetings, God's beloved. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast from Reformation Lutheran Church in Las Vegas with Pastor Matt Metavellis and Pastor Jason Adams, along with our friends. We're beginning a new study on the letter to the Colossians and hearing the promises of Jesus for the universe and the fullness of God in Christ. Thanks for joining us, and you can follow us on Facebook and YouTube for more. God bless you. Well, welcome. This is a new Bible study. We're just beginning this week, and um, we're going we're gonna to do two weeks, and we have our congregational meeting, and then we'll do two more weeks after that. I'm mm-hmm. and take it a chapter at a time. There's a lot here. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I have a curious outbreak about it. Yeah, and it's different, different stuff than, than we read in some of the other uh, Pauline letters, so we'll, we'll talk about that a bit, too. Uh, but let's begin in prayer. Holy God, help us to know you more. Help us to know you through Christ. Help us to know you through Jesus revealed in Scripture and in the world. The proclamation and the prophets that speak of your love and justice. Help us to know you fully through word and sacrament. Today and always bring healing for relationships, for our country, for our families, for our own hearts and minds. And bless us as we gather around your word today. In Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah so um, I, I resolved to do this a little bit differently. Um, one, for the sake of my marriage. Two, for the sake of this Bible study. Normally what I do for a Bible study is I uh, get ready like I'm going to battle. Um, and I'm still going to do that. Um, it, it was, yeah. Uh, but you know, I read I read it in Greek. I read a bunch of commentaries. I read a bunch of things that people have written. Um, I'm going to now do the opposite. Um, I really am just going to read this with you guys, um, and then uh, do my own personal study <laughs> where I will uh, arm myself. So I don't have a long uh, explanation. Um, and part I think part of the joy of reading a letter like Colossians is that. Paul's letters are this blend of the abstract and concrete, which is why they're fun. Um, they are most of them are written due to live pastoral situations. So Paul will use some very weighty biblical or theological principle, and he'll tie it to a real problem. I don't think it's going on in Colossians, but I don't think it's going on as much as a letter like. Um, especially Corinthians. It's a really good example. Okay. Yeah, Paul, I, I don't think Paul is dealing with any specific pastoral problems here. He's dealing with pastoral problems, but not specific ones, because this is not a church that he founded. These are not people that he knew. He's not as intimately connected. Yet. Yeah. So the gift in that for us is that we get to um, we get to kind of see Paul's principles worked out. This is why Romans is such an interesting letter um, because Paul has not gotten there yet, and he's saying, "Hey, I'm on my way. Here's a preview of what I'm going to preach to you." This is a different thing, right? Here, somebody has gone to Colossae, how do you pronounce Colossae? Colossae, yeah. And um, I know how to pronounce Laodicea, which is the big city. Right. It's like the suburb. 
important. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and this is a pretty much a rural place. Um, the, you know, uh, wool and wool dyeing is the biggest export of this place. Um, so it's not um, it's not a major metropolitan center the way that Ephesus is or the way that Corinth is. Uh, so Paul is just not as familiar with what's going on here, and he has had somebody else who we'll hear about go and found this church. Um, yeah, I, I was trying to sound out that guy's name. How do you pronounce that guy's name? Stephanus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I read the little introduction in my study Bible. <laughs> So I would have an idea of what was going on, and I could not sound out his name. Yeah. So this um, – this it, there are a lot of theories. So this letter famously – there's a big debate about uh, if Paul actually wrote this or not. And as one commentator put it um, – I, here I said I wasn't going to read a whole <laughs> I read a little. Um, the, the arguments for Pauline authorship of Colossians are the, like – not as strongly advanced arguments. <laughs> Colossians is not a hill that Paul purists die on um, because it's um, it, it doesn't have a lot of the stamps that we could typically think of with Paul. So what we might be reading is just maybe a stock letter of like, okay, here's this guy, right, insert name of evangelist here. <laughs> he represents... Uh, he represents what I'm teaching. This is what it is. Um, or Timothy, uh, a big uh, a, a big theory is that Timothy wrote this. That Paul had, right? Paul had uh, a circle of people around him who he knew, who he taught, who he trusted, um, that could write things um, and learn from him, and probably wrote in a manner similar, but had their own voice and way of describing things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and. Um, and uh, Colossians is very closely linked with Ephesians because they share that feature. Um, that these are um, these are it proclaims the gospel, but it is um, I really like the language of pastoral manuals or just you know the same way right uh, a retiring pastor would write a letter to a congregation. Or a message from the bishop, right? We get messages from Bishop Hunger all the time here, mm-hmm. right? And she can't say, oh, by the way, uh, spirit of joy and, and uh, whatever. Let's deal with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's not going to say that. If she's writing um, or she's writing to the churches in Las Vegas, that's the joke. We're the right of children. No, <laughs> I totally love us. You guys are great. <laughs> right and to the pastors in Las Vegas. Just want to let you know, you know, be on the lookout for this. Right, this is the this is the kind of letter that we're reading. It's you know, if 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 Second Corinthians is a personal letter, <laughs> Colossians is a rather um, impersonal letter. The authorship is disputed, but I think it's a really beautiful book and it's an interesting book. So. Mm-hmm. And I get a little bit more of like this idea of the cosmic Christ. Does that come from from this letter? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're, we'll maybe we'll get into that a little bit. Um, one of the things that, that I learned this week is that uh, the city Colossae is uh, a place where if you go near there, and, and uh, we had some seminary students go to Ephesus in this part of Turkey that was Phrygia, and uh, you can find easily find ruins at Laodicea. You can find. Ruins at uh, Hierapolis, if I say that name correctly. 
And but at Colossi, there's there's not much to see. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not much there that tells us this was a, a it was a wealthy town, but it was not a well built up town. It was not a big city, um, and uh, and therefore it was a place that Paul just probably didn't make it to at, at any point. He had other places to go. Yeah, it was uh, Waffle. Well, yeah, yeah, well, that's it, maybe, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we know about them, but we're yeah, not going yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then there was an earthquake um, that uh, – there was an earthquake in Laodicea, and that might have contributed to that. Sure. Um, that the stuff just wasn't as well built in Colossae. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. hmm. Cool. Well, uh, Eileen's trying to figure out the link. She may jump in, but she's watching on Facebook. So anybody else following along on Facebook, thanks for doing so. And if you got questions, go ahead and type them in, and uh, we'll see if we can get to them at some point, too. Because we don't have any set questions either. We're just going to read and kind of roll through and see what rises up. So shall we begin? Let's begin with a greeting. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. So just, just a greeting like any other letter, right? But one of, the, one of the things that some commentators lift up is that uh, right away we hear Paul is an apostle. This is Paul working and acting and living as an apostle of Christ Jesus, a representative of Jesus' inner circle, the people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been important in Paul's other letters, is who does he represent himself to be? Yeah. And, and sometimes that depends on the context, too. Yep. It was always uh, it was always something that dogged Paul. He never, uh, he never worked with earthly Jesus, um, but he did claim to have an encounter with the risen Christ. Uh, he called himself the one untimely born. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so kind of uh, the stepchild of the rest of the apostles. Mm -hmm. um, and in Galatians, uh, really telling in the second chapter, he talks about that not only was he able to take Peter to task, but that he and Peter and James all agreed that they were pretty much teaching the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so this is why you become a Bible scholar, um, because they were the pillars, uh, Peter, James, and Andrew, that were in uh, the church in Jerusalem. Um, this is why you become a Bible scholar. Well, was Paul right? <laughs> did uh, did, uh, did Paul really get along with those guys? Um, did James write what James wrote as a corrective to Paul? Um, those are those are the really fun questions. Unfortunately, we don't get a whole lot of arenas to explore those here. Mm -hmm. Grace to you and peace. Maybe you know what is that? How does that land in a community that that you've never known? It's like oh, that's a, that's a nice thing to say. Oh, great, thanks, thanks, Paul. Um, but an introduction to what he's about to say, right? All right, so let's read. How about Maxine? You got us? Let's go three to... I, I have a thought. Oh, go ahead. Well, because this is a place that Paul never made it to, by doing this you know, grace and peace thing, is that like, you know, a sort of an extra acknowledgement that they're part of the family, that he's thinking of them, that he's you know, blessing them in a way, even though he was never physically there? Is it meant to sort of make them, I don't know, you know, feel more important or feel more part of the family? 
since he never graced them with his presence. Yeah, it could be a way of saying, I'm with you. I'm one of you. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we've never met face to face. Maybe you've heard of me, maybe not, but, but grace and peace. Yeah, and certainly he's calling them brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. Paul's letters uh, always bear the convention of a family letter um, in ancient literature. Um, and uh, the church was not the only place where they would send family letters to one another. It was pretty common. Um, so this, I don't think this is unique to the to the Christian church, but all ancient letters always, the same way uh, every email I send to someone I haven't talked to in a while, I hope everything's going well. hope everything's okay. hope you had a good Christmas. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's that's how I read Grace and Peace, that it's part of that convention, you know, um, you know, blessings to Tiberius and to all his household. And, you know, this was... Um, I, I think it's just a, just a huh? yeah, a convention in ancient, and still, I think it's still a convention in letter writing. Like it's rude sometimes to send somebody an email without a. How are you? Hey, send me that file. Yeah, <laughs> I do that sometimes. I try not to. Oh, I'm sorry. Maxine, you want to read three through eight? Uh, yes, and I'm reading from the um, NIV, so I might sound a little different from yours. We'll allow it. Okay. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard your faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it is as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our fellow, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ in our, on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. I think we, we get there a little hint that maybe they've never met before. Mm -hmm. I've heard of you. You've heard of this hope. Um, Interesting note that that this emphasis on hearing. That's kind of kind of good, right? You like that? Yeah. Paul does say in Romans, faith comes through hearing. Mm -hmm. I like how he says he mentions that the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world, just as it has been doing among you, and that that draws them into this larger family, makes them. Because from what I read from reading my introduction here in the study Bible, is that they, there were some problems with the beginnings of Gnosticism here. So oh, yeah. I think he's trying to show them that, no, you're, you're part of this bigger family that we have here. That's important, too, because maybe of where they were located, they where were a little more disconnected from Rome, certainly, mm -hmm. um, but even from the bigger cities in, in Asia. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's a sense that when you're trying to counter Gnosticism, that you want to make things concrete and visible. Mm -hmm. So I think um, I think uh, Chrissy, you picked up on that really well. That the gospel is there; it's bearing fruit in the world. We can see it. I can hear about you, right? This is not secret knowledge. This is not, hey, we're the initiated ones. We know, 
right? This is not, um, and and uh, I already got to preach already, but I think there is always a temptation for the church to draw this wall around itself. Yeah, and this is our gospel. And yeah, yeah, this is our gospel. This is for us. The one we proclaim. We need our victory. Okay. Uh, and that's, and by the way, that is the root of Gnosticism. That is the root of the heresy. It's not anything about Jesus' childhood. It's not anything about spirits or aeons. Gnosticism is that the gospel is a hidden message that you have to do certain things to unlock, and that message must be protected. Mm-hmm. Right here, right here, the gospel goes out. It's spread, right? By the way, is did anyone think of a parable when they heard this? Sowing the seeds. Sowing the seed. Bearing fruit, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's universal. It's, it's for everybody. That, that good news that's working among you is working everywhere. Yeah. Okay, so right, right there at the beginning of the letter, he's sort of pointedly reminding them that this is not a secret. It's all over the whole world. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Got that right. <clears throat> Let's keep rolling. Take us to 14, Maxine. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's a lot. That's a, that was a long sentence. A difference in the writing style too. Yeah, um, and you see it. You see it in the Greek too. It's a lot of like participial constructions. Having been this, and this having been done, to this having been grown. Yeah, 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 it's very, um, you know, it's very, it's very clunky. Um, so this is the biggest argument that people make, saying this is not Paul, because uh, Greek is really a language where you do things with the verbs. Um, <laughs> and I guess participles are verbs, but this is not, um, I would say that this is not elegant in the same way. No, that- it's kind of, it kind of gives the impression that they're pile driving all this information at you really fast. Okay. okay th- this is, um, I almost want to say foundation. Like this is the foundation. This is from where I'm going with the rest of this letter. Sort of like the opening statement in a in a court case or something. I don't know. <laughs> Does that <Yeah>. make sense? <laughs> and and this is look at this verse. Um, this is uh, this is kind of the the opening argument, right? So that you verse ten. So that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him as you grow, as you bear fruit in every good work, and as you grow in the knowledge of God. 
right? Mm -hmm. So this is what the letter is trying to do. Mm -hmm. It's uh, th there's always this question. Okay, we're saved, so now what? And this is there's so many letters in scripture that point to that, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the now what. Here's what the now what actually looks like. That you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will, and bear fruit in every good work as you grow in the knowledge of God. What does that mean? How do we lead lives worthy of the Lord? Mm. Striving to be uh, like Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, also, isn't you know we're we're told to preach the gospel to share the good news and here's this bunch of people who for some reason have decided that it needs to be locked down and hidden so is that like a, a little jab at that thinking look at the words uh, i agree that you may be filled with knowledge of god's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding mm -hmm. Um, and by the way, uh, Christy, um, you're, you, you know what Gnosticism is. Maxine, have you ever heard of Gnosticism? And I want to just make sure every, anybody might. I, I've heard of it, but yeah. it, I, couldn't, I couldn't explain it to you. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I mean by <laughs> special knowledge, yeah. that the gospel yeah. plus something else. Uh -huh. And maybe that was works. Here, maybe it was some special insight that teachers were sharing. There, there were clearly some false teachers in the midst. Um, and so the letter in front of that. Um, in my study Bible, I thought I lost the page. It says that um, ceremonialism, asceticism, angel worship, and depreciation of Christ were the four things that, oh, secret knowledge and reliance on human wisdom and tradition. Mm, yeah, yep, there you go. Um, and he'll go after that specifically in chapter two. Okay. But it's a breakdown Gnosticism. Have you guys ever listened to a TED Talk? And I'm being hugely unfair, but I'm doing it just to teach, not to condemn TED Talks. I love okay. them. Yeah, I love TED Talks. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Well, and I like them too, right? But what's, what is, what makes every TED Talk so compelling? You've got an expert. Who knows what they're talking about? Yeah. Initiate. Yeah, I'm a oh. child psychologist. Okay. Right? You're going. What happens in the talk? They share knowledge. They share knowledge. And how does it always go? Here's something that I know that you don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I used to be like you. Yeah. I used to think this, but then it was Some revealed to me. Yeah, it was revealed to me. That reality is just like this, and right, these, and these are compelling, and these are not, these are not Gnostics, <laughs> these are not nefarious individuals. But when you watch a TED talk, watch a TED talk and imagine somebody in a marketplace in um, in ancient Ephesus or in ancient Colossae, and think about how they were talking, because it was probably pretty much the same. 
Um, okay. Or in the or yeah yeah right in the old west right it's it works by it works by um, uh, I'm not gonna bring it up. It works by there's this secret knowledge that I have right it's it's in YouTube videos right conspiracy theories yeah here it is this is how the world really works this is what they want you to think. Yeah. And so anybody that's pushing a conspiracy theory, whatever they always say, get educated, get the knowledge, do the research, watch, yeah, watch this. Not, and do this research never means go to medical school. It always means watch the mother YouTube video. <laughs> you need to watch this video, right? So this is, this is Gnosticism. Well, if you really, and, and there's a lot of pseudo Christianity that still kind of works like this. Well, if you do the, if you do this, right? It's an infomercial too. <laughs> Infomercials on Gnosticism. I, you know, my kitchen was a real mess, and then I got this the the ShamWow. I got the battery dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, and I got this, and then this 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 unlocked all this joy, right? This this is the spiritual version of this. This is secret knowledge. You need to do something to tap into it, and then all will be revealed, and your life will be. Mm, okay. Paul, and I'm just going to say Paul. I don't know if this is Paul or not, but we're going to we agree. Can we, can we say Paul? Can we call the author Paul? Paul is saying that the gospel works fundamentally different than a TED Talk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it's almost like Paul's saying, the shaman has been bought for you. <laughs> right. This has been done. You don't need to get the secret knowledge. Right. Here everything that you have, everything that you can know has been given to you through the gospel. Yeah. Who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Who has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. It's done. Yeah. Note that past tense. Mm. So is he is he kind of saying you don't have to be learned people to receive the gospel? That you know, just those of higher learning who have knowledge, but also those who who don't have that higher learning who are um, you know that they can state that everybody can still receive the gospel. You don't have to just be in the know. Yeah. Um yeah, there's, and you just think about life in the ancient world. Um, we live in a world that really Paul has bequeathed to us, where religion is a little bit more personal. But you just think about ancient religion. I love that you brought that up, Maxine. Like, and I just think about like temples hidden high on mountains, and um, you know, you have to, you know, have this certain initiation, or you know, sometimes in ancient religions they would just get. People hopped up on all these different kinds of substances and speak gibberish, right? Yeah. You think how removed from everyday life um, religion was. Um, And and this is really a a radical and revolutionary message. I I had a patient once, and she was Japanese, and she was Christian. And Pastor House Connect will tell you that, uh, you know, Japanese people do not become Christians very, very easily. Um, but, you know, I asked her, you know, what, what made you convert? And she said, uh, well, all the Buddhists were up in the temple all day, and I never really felt welcome there. 
but the Christians were just like out in the streets. I could ask them my questions. Hmm. They were nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, I always think of that. that that's, two, that's two different ways of doing religion, right? Where it's available and present to you or where it's hidden and esoteric. And that's, there's a lot of comfort here too, right? If I if I think, wow, I need to get right. I need to get religion. I need to get this special knowledge. And someone writes to this church. So imagine faithful people gathered together, hearing, "We got a letter. We got a letter. What does it say? May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from His glory, His power. May you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father." who's already enabled you to share in this inheritance. Yeah. You want yeah. a lot of already. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't need to go through some initiation or some special stuff. They've, they've already got it all. And that, after what they had been hearing, that was probably quite a, a bolt of lightning, you know? Uh, and, and how did this get to them? We get a clue in Chapter 4 about Epiphras. He says, Epiphras is one of you. So you know what probably happened? Epiphras heard Paul preaching and was like, wow, came to faith. And he's like, I, mean, I got to go tell everybody in my hometown about this. <laughs> then they screwed up. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and it, 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 we're told over and over again, like the woman at the well. She's like, I got to go tell everybody about this. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a challenge here, too. There's comfort, but there's this challenge. Live a life. Live that life fully pleasing to God. Wow. And, and I mean, just that. I mean, you could say that and, and reflect on, on everything that you've been through this year, the last decade, your whole life, and go, wow, am I, am I doing that? Am I consciously or unconsciously doing it? Am I, uh, am I choosing not to in some ways? You, you start to look inside when you hear that, right? Yeah, but the key here is... This is not an exhortation. Get God's will. Get God's knowledge. What's key here? Since the day we heard it, we, we haven't ceased praying for you. That you may be filled with it. Not from Paul or Timothy or, or even Epaphras or any of the experts. We're praying that God would do this. So they're presenting this letter as this is an answer. This is an answer to your this is an answer to our prayer. <laughs> we're, we're, we're handing this to you because we prayed that you might have these things. But this is not. This is what you need to do. This is not, um, you know, here's here's the adjustments the ELCA needs you to make to your constitution. <laughs> this is not. And those are important. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. They're benign. But this letter is not. This is what you need to do. Right, this is being done, and we pray that you might have some wisdom. So we're going to share some of ours with you. So here it comes. Want to read, Chrissy Lynn? 15? Uh, sure. 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, 
the church, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Do you want me to finish reading? And through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's a, that's a creed. Before him. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. The creed. Yeah, it sounds very much like the creed. Definitely. If you know anything about how baptism worked in the ancient church, you would kind of rise up out of the water and the church would be singing songs. They did it. In every description I've read, they did it, they've done it beautifully. Um, it was really this, like, beautiful ceremony. And I try to imagine that beauty being in our ceremony. And our ceremony is beautiful, but it's just very American middle class. <laughs> yeah. But um, what I really think and what I hope, I don't know it for sure, some, that some commentators think it, that this is what people would be singing as you came up from the baptismal. Mm-hmm. Um, him oh. praise to... to um, so so this is being quoted here because people would have heard this before in worship. Just like when we did Philippians chapter 2, you were with us. Yeah. Him. Mm-hmm. Being quoted at them. So maybe we quote Amazing Grace at some of you. <laughs> well, there's a lot of image about creation here too. So uh, maybe is there an issue going on with how people in the ancient church thought about the creation. Who is Jesus in relationship with the world around us? And what were other some other teachers teaching about flesh and the world? And uh, because there's some things here that, that might come into contrast with that. What do you hear about creation just in this passage? Well, uh, Christ was pretty important in it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, verse 16, what are we told? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it really um, puts him at the, I want to say apex of everything, but. In him, all things in heaven and on earth were created. Things visible and invisible. We just did the Nicene Creed today. That's in there. Mm-hmm. They did not get there. Yeah, they got it somewhere. <laughs> All things created through him and for him. Ooh. He himself is before all things. We hear that in Genesis. We hear that in John mm-hmm. 1. Yeah. In him, all things hold together. So we don't need to march on the Catholic here in the first. He's already there. He himself is before all things. He's the head of the body, which is the church. The beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Um, was Gnosticism was one of their issues that they thought Jesus was only like an angel, or was that one of the other heresies? Yep, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty common one. Okay. Um, yeah, they, they have these spirits called avatars. But and frankly, here's the problem: 
we uh, there's a lot of problems from a historical perspective with not with narcissism. One, it was super widespread. So it's hard to say, you know, it's like saying, well, uh, Catholics believe, right? Catholics in the 20th century believe all sorts of things. In Latin America, they, you know, like they have a different expression. Yeah, so that's a problem. Secondly, the church destroyed all of these writings that they could get their hands on. So we don't know a whole lot about them. Um, in the 40s, there was this treasure, uh, there's treasure trove of documents in a place called Nag Hammadi. Uh, yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. That was discovered. So there are a lot of, that we did get a lot of those documents. And so only having about 60 years with these documents um, means that, you know, scholars digest things very slowly. So okay. we're still kind of, yeah, we're still kind of on the cutting edge of a lot of that work. Um, famously, Elaine Pagels um, out of mm -hmm. Princeton. Yeah, I think she's at Princeton. Um, she is kind of the most popular scholar who's written a lot um, about Gnostic councils and, and Gnostic Oh, yeah, you know, she writes on the New Testament, too. She's a, she's a great writer. Um, but she's, she's like a popular writer. There are other people that, you know, don't, don't get ready <laughs> talk about this. So it's so hard to know because we, we, we just don't have a lot of evidence about what these people think and we're speculating. The best document that we've always used to understand Gnosticism is a book by Irenaeus called Against Heresies um, that he wrote probably 50 to 80 years after Colossians. So, yeah, so this was basically um, a, a theologian named Valentinian. His idea was that there was a good God and a bad God. Bad God kind of created the world, and then the essence of the good God was kind of trapped. And Jesus was the spirit who kind of came to release all of the good gods from their prisons. And um, Jesus became kind of like a pattern that we would use to unleash these in our own lives. Uh, pretty close modern-day uh, analog to this is Scientology. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same idea that this uh, being was cut up, and, and all this has its uh, has its genesis in the creation myth of the Babylonians. Does does anybody know that one? Yeah, I I, I know a lot about that. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take it. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm not. I don't know. Probably don't know as much as you do. So I'm gonna throw it back to you. No, I, I, I'm, I'm aware. So I've got a really good friend from seminary. He's getting his PhD. Uh, in England, 20 well, the, ba the Babylonians. I mean, they had. Um, you can read it online. You can find it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But okay. So basically, my friend, my friend is. I, I'm taking from his scholarly. So <coughs> this is derivative, and he, he probably would tell you different. But the, the Babylonians had this myth of like, what was it, like a, a, a chaos creature or something? Mm -hmm. And like another god went and fought it. And then that guy, that god died and was like chopped up into bits. And that's what creation is. So Gnosticism yeah. is the basic idea that everything that's created is balanced. And that there's goodness locked inside it, 
that has to be liberated. So what you what religion is is a matter of finding the right process with your bad to get away from your bad matter and to get into the good spirit. So if God is good and the world is bad, how could God have created the world? Therefore there must be these emanations from God and the furthest one away from that good God made this bad world. So flesh is bad, spirit is good, and to this duality people are going, yeah, but what's Jesus? Mm. And figure that out. And Paul Paul is writing, Jesus is the fullness of God. In him is creation. (laughs) Creation's good. The Bible tells me so. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's a... um, to be a to be a Christian, and uh, you know, I really am thankful to Phil Oskarek because he, um, I I was really suffering under you know what I would call uh, narcissism of um, Christ good world bad Christ makes bad world good, and that happens. But the way that you describe that happening, if it's just um, in, uh, if it's just this cosmic battle. But I have to sit there and figure out what side of it I'm on, then I've lost it. What happens is that, you know, through Christ, God creates the world, and the world says, I don't want anything to do with you. And then Jesus gives the world a big hug and says, No, you're not. That's what the cross is. Good, bad, ugly. It, it, um, this is bottom of theology. Good, bad, ugly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 2000s, we're getting better with that pop culture, right? Right, I love you. No matter what you are, I I, I love you. And that's, um, I think that's what he's doing at this. But, you know, the, the background can be, the, the, the giant cosmic background here can be overwhelming. Did, did any verse here kind of strike you? I'm going to have to dig out my copy of the Enuma Ellis and read it again. <laughs> That's great. I've never, I've never read it. <sighs> or the image of the invisible God. We talked a lot about God made us God's image. Right? I hear that reflected in that verse. Mm-hmm. He is the image of the invisible God. That God you can't see, right here. Yeah, for me, I think something really cool is going on here. Um, that the relation of Jesus to creation is being talked about. The way you would look at an ancient temple. Right? If you've ever seen a picture of like the, um, the Parthenon when it was a temple for mm-hmm. Nut, Right? You would, it would be a temple, and you would go in, and there'd be a big statue of Athena in the middle of the temple. That was the God's image. Mm-hmm. Hindu temples still work like that. Like I've not been in a Hindu temple. I've heard it described. Um, but you go to a Hindu, Hindu temple, and they have all these different gods and these different images. Mm-hmm. You go to these different gods. It's not your But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not what we would call paganism. Um, it doesn't really work that way that there's an understanding of a fundamental unity uh, mm-hmm. expressed in different ways through these gods 
Um, but to say that Jesus is the image of God, it means that all of creation is God's temple. Mm-hmm. There are not special places that are set aside for temples to be, but God's temple is in all of God's creation. And, and the thing that you're supposed to go to see in the middle of that temple is uh, to, to go place your worship is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also, who else are named as uh, being in the image of God? We are. Yeah. All creation is. So in creation, what we get to do, we get to live in this beautiful temple that God has created for us. And where do we go to worship God? His image is in Jesus. Right? A very particular crucified image, too, I might add. This to about this time. Funny enough. Um, but you get to go worship at all these other people who bear that image. Who else? Mm. Um, no. Uh, I always like the, uh, they always talk about what namaste means. The divine in me acknowledges the divine in me. Just go back to Buddhism. Yeah, I've always liked that. That's... Yeah. So, so here's the thing. We're not taking care of our neighbors because we're like good Christians and we want God to see what we're Take care of our neighbor because we're worshiping. And this whole this paragraph, this hymn wraps up with by making peace through the blood of the cross. So it goes from creation to the cross. That's the place where where all this stuff happened. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things on earth or in heavens by making peace through the blood of the Father. So that brings the focus back to Jesus instead of all this angel worship and other little weird demi-demon things that they thought were running around in control. Okay. Yeah, Bale, if you want to understand ancient religion, Bale is in the religious. All the world is full of gods. I think he was fundamentally right about that, if you read the uh, large catechism. Whatever you put your feet of love and trust in, God. So, well, the, golden, the golden bow is uh, really good for that, too. Yep. Gives yep. you an idea of how you know, different people saw the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a lot of gods running around everywhere, but there's only one. I'm thinking of Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones works too. Well, and and I mean, you know, there's, um, you know, every rock and every stone and every grain of sand is a god, and I mean, you know, you can bring that down, like I said, to every grain of sand, and then there's other religions that put God way up there, and we can't reach him at all. Except by doing you know, worship and abasing ourselves and doing sacrifices and stuff. So 
there's quite a spectrum there. So this, when it says all fullness, to have all his fullness dwell in him, I picture just this, this funnel, just taking all creation, heaven and earth, and just all in Jesus is there. There's, I don't want to say there's nothing else, but it's like the buck stops there. Is that what he's there's a real difference, I think, between some ancient religion and, and, and this idea that God is far away when we're in this next bit. And if we, we hear all this, okay, this is the fullness of God in Jesus. Great. So we can all know how bad we are and how good Jesus is, right? How we can never attain that. But Paul writes this next part. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting the hope from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. This is for you. Just for your sake, for every creature. Yeah, I think there, there are two fundamental errors in religion, and you break them down into the same error. One is to say that God is wholly beyond your reach, and the other is to say that God is wholly under your control. Yeah. And both, both are convenient because both allow you to assert the dominance of your own will. If God is, if God is beyond reaching, <laughs> then, yeah, then I'm free. Uh, right? This was, uh, 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 in Brothers Karamazov, uh, Ivan's argument, hmm. if, if there is no God, then all things are possible. Uh, which for him was a lament, but for someone else, unfortunately, it was licensed to commit murder. <laughs> right? Or God's completely under my control. Like, you know, what I want, yeah, God wants me to have them. Right? It, it is the same error because it puts ourselves above God. But where does God confront us on the cross in death? Yeah, it's, it's always amazing how people will take the idea of God and, and mold it into whatever will serve what they want at the moment. That's And so many of those things become widespread beliefs and they get mixed in with Christians. Like, you know, I, I hate a lot of these televangelists, you know, that go online and say, oh, just pray and be happy and, you know, at, it, it's... Ugh, I hate those God's people. Under your <laughs> God's under your control. God, you know, the same way you go to the microwave, you put the popcorn in, you put, you know, three minutes, 30 seconds, hopefully all the popcorn will pop. If you do it right, um, I'm funny with popcorn, I always try to become one with the popcorn. Gotta listen. Perfectly. Gotta listen. You gotta listen. Right? Right, just like your microwave. Yeah. If you, if you do these prayers, if you orient your heart in the right way, then this will happen. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't happen, and you go to that preacher, and, you go, and they go, well, let's find out what you did wrong. Just the same way they'd be telling you, like, oh, maybe uh, you didn't listen to the popcorn good enough. Maybe uh, you didn't uh, spread the kernels out in the bag. You know, that perfect bag of popcorn is out right there. 
you don't want that perfect bag of popcorn right away. Go try again. Right? Yeah. Here's the thing. God will only be subject. God will never be object. And that's what idolatry is. Mm. Idolatry says God is an object. And God's like, I am not an object. I am subject. Hear me talk. Hear me roar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just filled up the entire prophets for you. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up in a town that had one of the California missions. So I had a lot of Hispanic friends. And you go to their houses and you see the little candles of all the saints everywhere. And and I saw some, you know, rituals that were you know, kind of weird to me that seemed very, you know, idolatrous, you know, you had to put certain things in front of certain candles to get what you wanted and, um, you know, burying things in your backyard. Um, I'm just, you know, I knew this one family, they had a little, you know, grotto they had made in the backyard that had the Guadalupe Virgin, uh, Virgin and, St. Joseph, and they would pour milk over it, which I thought was honey, because I thought that was a Hindu thing, pouring milk over things. And they were doing it too, and and they didn't know why they did it. It was just something they had been taught. I'm like, well, you know, there's nothing in the Bible about pouring milk over statues, but they had been taught. So, like I said, it's it's weird how, like you said, God becomes an object, and, and it's... Yeah, I, I would draw a distinction though between you know we do this because this is kind of like our cultural expression, and we're, yeah, um, which I don't you know I I I don't know what guys are doing this. I would assume that that's a different thing than saying well, if I uh, you know if I have my lucky rabbit's foot and I rub it three times, right? Where where I'm trying to use God as something to get. It's something to get what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think that's I think that's a difference. You know, I've I've uh, I've taken part in in different people's the joy of being a chaplain. I've taken part in a lot of people's different cultural rituals. They don't they don't, they don't feel like idolatry to me. I think there's there's some benefit in being felt that you've drawn closer to God through through those traditions. Yeah, not putting our faith in. Alone, like saying, this is a thing that I do, like praying the rosary. It helps me know that God hears my prayers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Helps me to do those things that help me realize that God. Oh, yeah. I, you know, the rosary, again, was a big part of my friends' lives. And I had rosaries given to me on my birthday a few times by friends, you know, even though they knew I was a Lutheran. But it was the candles and the saint statues and stuff that, that kind of worried me, you know. God, God is not an ATM. Yeah. God is not a Taco Bell Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, we finish out this uh, chapter here? Yeah. yeah it, 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 it's one thing I could, I could, I could talk forever and I wanted to bring the ladies and stuff. Okay. Um, notice, in his body, talking about this is concrete uh, it says there in verse 42 in his body of flesh this is where your redemption happens you don't flee you don't, re- you don't flee from creation and you don't flee from flesh 
because Jesus is there for you bodily. So, um, you know, when we, when we as a church say, you know, we believe that Jesus is present bodily in uh, the bread and wine, we're, we're making a theological statement. We're not just adhering to some tradition. Um, you know, we're not trying to create ritual magic. Uh, what we're doing is affirming that when Christ gives himself, he doesn't give himself in our heads. For our heads, too. But he gives himself fully, fully and bodily, bodily, which means physically. Fullness of God dwells in him. He is fully human, fully human and fully divine. Okay. And the, the last part of uh, 23, Paul's not saying, I'm, I'm in charge of this special knowledge. I am a servant. I'm, I'm placing this all above me. I'm just here to share this, to serve this good news up to you. Maxine, you want to read the rest of it for us? Uh, yes. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Amen. There it is again about the uh, the hidden, what was what was hidden and is now disclosed. Yeah. The word mystery, we get mystery. mystery. Yep. Can you guys think of this uh, phrase here? I'm completing what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. What about me? Did, did Jesus not finish the job? <laughs> Sharing the word, man. spreading it to all the nations. Yeah. Hmm, yeah, that is kind of a weird sentence. Well, I think too. Um, this is this is what a few decades after uh, Christ died on the cross and was and was resurrected. But um, there's still evil in the world. So even though Christ died for our sins, there's still evil going on, and that's what I think. That's what he's saying is. Um, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. He's not physically taking those um, those afflictions on that we now have to the the whatever that pain is of the evil in the world. God's there to and and Jesus was he died to forgive those sins, but those sins are still happening. 
then and today still going on yeah so somebody's always suffering is a loaded term in this context isn't it so so there were these religions like we, we talked about already in, in Gnosticism there were mystery religions or cults or whatever you want to call them that, that you had to have special access to special initiation into and I think at the very least Paul's going you want a mystery here it is this has all been made known to you now. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, again, he's hitting at their whole idea of, oh, there's information only we know. Paul is saying, it's out there now. You know, we did a core dump. It's out there. It's not secret anymore. Huh. So the, uh, the Greek word for um, finishing or completing um, it has a sense of uh, has a sense of finishing and paying it back. Uh, so it's almost like Paul is saying, not that he's paying Jesus back for what he did, but it's just kind of like I'm returning to that place, right? That whenever this happens, because the cross is such a foundational thing. That whenever the gospel goes out, you have to return to that place. Or as my favorite professor uh, would always would always put it, there's the gospel and then the attack on the gospel, and you will bear both. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's almost a sense of like it's completing by returning to it. So like coming full circle. Yeah. No matter how far. Out you go, you always come back around to this. Okay. Yeah, there's a great scene in Kelly um, Wiesel's Night uh, where they're in, they're in the concentration camp and they see a child hanging from a tree and somebody says, well, you know, where's God in all this? And somebody puts to God. It's right there. Um, which it's beautiful because it can have a lot of meetings and this is what's awesome about Judaism. Uh, they can either mean that God's now been killed and he's dead, or that's where God is present because, because he's present in the death. Um, he's I, present in our, in our suffering. Right? So when Paul talks about, I suffer too, it means that if I'm, if I'm doing this, I'm going to, I'm going to suffer. Um, if I, if, if I engage in this work, I'm going to be attacked. For your sake, we suffer. And uh, the other thing that I hear in this is that Paul is going, this this mystery, this this good news, it's not a story about Jesus. It is Jesus. Mm. And this right here, this fullness that has been hidden, but now is being revealed. It's in him. Okay. It is him. This is some really dense stuff, and as we wrap up today, what were the impressions that you got? What are the questions that you have? What are you, uh, what are you struggling with? What maybe is something you're learning today? Um. Uh, well, it's making me think more of. Um, Like you said, when we have communion and we talk about it being Christ's body,
body. Um, I think sometimes it's hard to, I mean, we think of everything being in Christ, but it's, you know, sort of a, I don't want to say mystical, but very spiritual Christ a lot of times. And it's, for me anyway, it's, it's sometimes not something I think of as actually the resurrected body, you know, being present now. So that that's something that I'm going to have to think more about. Because like I said, when I think of Christ, I think of him sort of a more of a, a spiritual element. But yeah, so that was thought-provoking. Donna, any, anything you heard today that, that maybe sparked some questions or things you want to learn more about? Mm, I'm, well, I'm going to do some research and study on it because uh, I'm not sure exactly some of the things, but I'm going to look into it. Awesome. Great to have you with us. And, and it just allowed me to say, if I can, Donna, it's so great that you found our congregation. I'm, um, I, I, I've been uh, so blessed to be able to minister to your mom and, and, and you. And, uh, just so, so thankful you found us. Right. Uh, right. And when, I, when, I, when I saw your comments on something about worship, I, I was just filled with joy. So, so just from me, welcome. Yeah, well, nice to meet you, Donna. <laughs> Thank you. I moved back to this area. I moved back into this area, so I figured I might as well find something that I'm comfortable with, and knowing Matt uh, helps a lot. Well, the more the merrier here in this class. We like to get good conversations going. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, Donna is a, you know, we, I, when I took care of her mom, we used to have a really great conversation about scripture. Um, your mom is quite the theologian, as I remember, too. So. Okay. I've been missing mom a lot. Mm. Great for you. Would someone like to close us in prayer today? I'm waiting for Maxine to volunteer. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting for you to volunteer. <laughs> You're church council president. You get to go first. <laughs> I'll close this in prayer, no problem. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the uh, the time we've had here together. We thank you for bringing all of us here together, uh, whether live on Zoom or on Facebook, uh, and even those who are watching us later on Facebook. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful conversation that we had, the uh, delving into different ideas and learning new things. Lord, we, we thank you for this message um, in the Bible, this, this letter to the Colossians. We thank you for the um, insight that it's giving us into, uh, into you as our, as our father into uh, Jesus as our as our Savior. Dear Lord, we ask you to uh, bless us and keep us throughout the week. We give you thanks and praise for all that you've given us. And we look forward to meeting again next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe. Keep the faith.
text I sent you about the glucose monitor? Yeah. I don't, I don't recall. Get out of here. Bye bye. No, I, I don't, I don't recall that. Um, my insurance company has set me up with a system that they have, Lavongo. So I got a new meter. And I have my old meter that I just put batteries in, and I have a bunch of supplies, and I didn't know if there was somebody that could use it or someplace you knew that might be able to use it. Not off the top of my head. Let me think about that. Um, I think of Dennis, but his is more a need of uh, like a pulse oximeter. Oh, yeah, no. Not so much a glucose thing, so I don't know off the top of my head. Okay, well, I yeah, I couldn't think of any place to call, so I thought maybe you would hear something. I mean, yeah. it's still a really good meter. I mean, it's not a real fancy one. It doesn't oh, hook up to the internet or an app or anything, but it yeah. still works good. I'll keep that in the back of my mind, okay? Okay. Cool. Thank you all. See you soon. Okay, bye.